Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. I wanted to read something to you that I, I alluded to probably last year about this very special day that we're celebrating. We're celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus and uh, and even more accurately, uh, we call it Palm Sunday, but uh, there was something really special about this day that I didn't know was special and it had to do with lambs. And so I want to read this. I just think it's so good. And plus I'll repeat some things that I said last year um, that I didn't know all the years growing up and hearing about the Palm Sunday and the Easter story. I didn't know this. But anyway, um, let me read here. When Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem on our Palm Sunday, it occurred on the same day when Bethlehem shepherds annually herded huge flocks of Passover lambs into Jerusalem. The Day of Lambs, it was called, it was Lamb Selection Day, a divine con cultural context yet with awe-inspiring purposes. The Sadducees, it seems like they're going to be sad now for not only not believing in resurrection, but sad because they didn't get this, and this could have been another clue if they were understanding their scriptures. Um, the Sadducees that were in charge of all the temple sacrifices also owned Bethlehem fields and the lambs that were raised there. And so they hired shepherds who were experts in animal husbandry, and they considered them as Levitical priests because the lambs they tended were the ewes that would give birth, and they were destined for the temple sac sacrifices. So if you remember, I've, I've said in years gone by, that probably even when Jesus was born, we always have that story of the stables and the straw and everything. And he, he was in a poor place. But, but in all reality, he probably wasn't in at least a bad place for lambs because they were Levitical lambs. So they had very special treatment. And you know how babies are swaddled? And remember, it says in the scriptures that Jesus was swaddled. Well, that's what they did with the sacrificial lambs. The lambs could not have any bruise. They couldn't have any imperfection. They had to be perfect. So this is where we find ourselves on, on Palm Sunday. So I'll go ahead and say here that the Sadducees required a lamb, uh, kind of like you might say, some people call it like a, uh, like a beauty contest, but they they got all the lambs together at this time and then they inspected them from head to toe. They had to make sure that there was nothing, nothing that wasn't perfect about it. And this was the day that Jesus was coming in and he came in on that donkey and um, he was coming in on the day of the lambs. So I wanted to read that to you. All right. So we'll start with uh, Luke 19, verses 28 to 40. And if you have your Bibles or your apps or, or the notes that I've given you for the scripture reading, you can follow along. Starting with verse 28. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, 
Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the coat, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God saying with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I love that. I love that. So Jesus, uh, in the beginning of this reading, he was in front, just like the good shepherds would. The good shepherds would lead in front and gently be the one that would come forward. And he was the one that was not only to be in front, but willing to suffer and die for us. So he went, uh, another translation says, bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, knowing very well the things that should befall him there. And yet he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. I like that, bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, because have you ever been in really difficult places where you just feel like that you are encapsulated, you're wrapped up in the Lord? You're just, his presence is so real to you in there. To me, that's what um, I'm seeing like in that scripture, that he was He was bound by the spirit. He was, he was totally swaddled. He was totally secure in uh in the father's love at this time so he went in front and some people think that he was actually looking forward to it hebrews does say that for the joy that was set before him he didn't endure the cross so perhaps he was like looking out and kind of excited longing longing to uh, engage it and and um, to go up that hill of the mount of olives because it was an ascending of ascending walk to it. And so um, I thought that was really interesting. And then next, uh, it was not inconsistent with Jesus's humility or in his present state of humiliation to make a public entry into Jerusalem before he died. He made himself to be noticed. And later that would make the shame of his death even appear to be greater there's a lot of uh, religious people who think that he should not have, you know, like made a scene. If you're so humble, why are you uh, doing this? But um, he didn't. He didn't think anything um, of that. He still was the absolute uh, model of humility, and we'll talk a little bit about this um, just a little bit later. And. We see here that, again, the Lord is Lord over all, like we were singing today. He has the dominion. His kingdom is ever expanding and increasing. 
I know that a lot of us uh, of faith, some of times we can look like I, we were, Linda and I were talking a little bit earlier, we can look in our city or we can look in our community and we can see so many things that can be very discouraging to us and not uplifting to us. But one thing that I take great comfort in is that the Lord's kingdom is ever increasing. It is not decreasing uh, no matter what we see. His kingdom is increasing day by day and we can take great comfort and strengthen that. Also, um, the scriptures that I just read, notice uh, his eyes and his hands. And to me, I was thinking about this and I'm saying like, Lord, because I don't know how you would be if you were sharing the Easter story with others, but it's, it's like for those who know it really well, and it's quite repetitious, you almost... It almost becomes like blah, 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 blah. But I think like, what what would you want me to say this morning about that? And I just felt like that in my heart that he was saying, his eyes see everything. You might think sometimes that you're alone. You might sometimes think that no one cares. You might think that uh, no one has experienced life like you're experiencing it right now. But I can assure you that you are seen. And not only that, you are heard and that his hand, his hand, which was represented in the Bible as taking action, that he is taking action. And that if you understood the steps, if you understood uh, what he understands, you would under, you would also understand why sometimes it appears like he's delaying or sometimes he's in a place where uh, he's not there when we think that he should be. Then we go on and um, next, I was thinking about the the donkey that was fetched from the disciples. And a lot of times we're really uh, wanting to invest in other people's resources and stuff. But what I thought was very telling here is that not only the disciples, but those that were there, they were willing to invest themselves. It cost them something. Probably in that day and age, to have a coat or a garment, you wouldn't be willingly just putting it on the ground for some donkey to be walking over, although that was a place of great honor and great uh, uh, triumph. Um, this happened even like with kings and all, so it was very appropriate that it would happen to Christ. But I, I saw here that they invested themselves. They cast down their own garments. They cast down their own uh, thing that they worked hard for or that their parents worked hard for. They just laid it all down so that that donkey that was bringing Christ could come and uh, go up to that Mount of Olives. Um, next, we see that the disciples, they were praising the Lord just like we were singing today. Uh, they probably said a lot of things, but we know one thing that they did say is Hosanna, Hosanna, which can be translated, save us or help us. So um, that was the next thing that was happening. We saw the praises. And, and when Jesus came near to Jerusalem, God put it in the hearts of not only the disciples that knew him, but the whole multitude as 
as well. They were rejoicing and praising the Lord and, as I said, spreading their garments along the way, according to verse 36. And they were quite joyous. And what was their occasion to be filled with joy? Well, we know because they were, at this time, they were praising God for all the mighty works that they had seen through Jesus, um, especially the raising of Lazarus. That was the big, big, big deal. That was the big takeaway there. And, and I see here that fresh miracles and fresh mercies will revive the remembrance or memories for us. In uh, verse 19 of John 12, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. And I've read the Bible through several times, but I, I, I must have just read this too fast because if I had seen this, I know I would have chuckled. But here, the, here it was in um, John 12, 19, verse 19. Um, it was right after uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. <laughs> And the, one of the Pharisees was saying, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And I just laughed because I just thought the world has gone after him. They didn't realize it, but they were prophesying because the world would go after him. And so I, I find that to be a, a little bit of a chuckle there. As, and then also sad because they didn't see their day of visitation. And then recently for us, in this community, um, Jeff Whitkey, he's been, uh, he was in captivity for six and a half years. He was kidnapped and he was just returned this week and he's just had the press conference. I think it was on Friday when I was there that they were doing it all in the fireplace room because I'm the treasurer there for AFB. And, um, and, and it was so it was almost unbelievable the news was so good and so miraculous that this guy had actually lived through the brutal captivity of six and a half years that he had lived. And um, I was talking to all my friends all this week, you know, and it was just like, it was like it uplifted us. It strengthened us. It said, like, there is hope. There is hope. And, and, and like I said, sometimes we want to become so... Um, discouraged because we look too much at what we see, but this was like a um, like a rose from heaven to me, and just saying, Francis, let it be known that I'm working all things together for good, and I am the God of miracles. So, don't forget it. So, uh, that was really neat, and and I've been told that uh, that there's been a lot of good. Uh, and lots of changes that happen in the midst of all of that. So um, I praise the Lord for Jeff and Els and their family and pray that they uh, work through this. Because I know some people that have been in, um, they've been in prison or they've been in jail and they didn't even get the torture that he got. And it changed them a lot. And so I pray a great grace be upon them that they can work through these things as a family. But I just share that inexpressible joy and praise. And, and that's the same in verse 38. They were expressing their joy and praise. Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Christ is the king. He comes in the name of the Lord. He's clothed with a divine authority and commissioned from heaven. Blessed 
be he, right? And then in chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, the angels say. And then here, in this uh, section here, we see that here the, the people are rejoicing in Christ. We see that that peace in heaven where they are rejoicing in the benefit that the angels have by Christ. And you can kind of see it like a communion here. You can see the holy angels and what they're describing is from one angle. And then over here is the people, his disciples, even the multitude, and they're describing what's over here. And together it's kind of like a symphony. And it's uh, just rejoicing and bringing uh, great joy to the people and uh, the Lord is being made known, and he's made known among, among the high places. And together, they're reconciled in Christ. Last but not least, uh, all, the, all of the Lord's triumphs and his disciples and the multitude's joyful praises were quite an aggravation for all of the Pharisees that are ended up being enemies to Jesus and his kingdom. Um, the religious people, they were, they were aggravated. They had even become enraged. And um, because Jesus had become such uh, the subject of humility and stuff, um, when they had said, aren't you going to rebuke your disciples? They truly thought that Jesus was going to be rebuked, was going to be rebuking the disciples because he was so humble. But in a, in a, a joyful twist of the plot, um, he instead is honored. He despises that contempt, but he accepts the praise of the humble. And, and the people were at that point were very humble. Now, granted, some of them thought that he was going to become a king um, and rule and he was going to save the day. But nevertheless, they praised and worshiped the Lord. And he accepts the praises of the humble. And last but not least, uh, in verse 40, it said, if, in another translation, if these should hold their peace and not speak the praises of the Messiah's kingdom, as in the stones, the stones would immediately cry out rather than Christ not be praised. And some, some people who study this portion of scripture, they feel like that this literally happened. And the way the, the way they look at it is that when um, when Jesus came and he was on on the cross and and such and there was that earthquake. Remember, there was an earthquake. Well, it, it says in some translations that the rocks were rent, or you could say that the rocks cracked, and so they gave forth their sound. Now I don't know uh, what I think about that, but I do know that uh, other people have, have even mentioned, even in this day and age, that the technology that we've had, even back to the ancient dinosaur cassettes, um, that if you're too young, you don't know what a cassette is. But <laughs> if you do know what a cassette is, then you know that your pencil was your favorite friend of those cassette tapes. And that actually what is made out of that, I have been told, is uh, made out of rock or out of stone. Okay. And so... Uh, in all that, the Lord can be pr praised, and uh, the scriptures say in Psalms 8-2 that out of the mouth of children and infants, 
you have ordained perfect praise. And so we have this opportunity, um, all of us together uh, with the angels in heaven and with those that are the cloud of witnesses and us together, we have the opportunity to uh, praise the Lord and to be able to rejoice in him. And um, we bring ourselves to him in this time of communion. So if you will, while I'm putting the lamb very gently back, and thanking Teresa for the beautiful, beautiful decoration she's done. Uh, if you'd come and get your communion elements, we'll partake of communion together. So, Father God, we, we come before you and uh, we're, we partake of your uh, body represented by this uh, cracker, Lord. And we, we recognize, Lord, that your body was broken for us, broken and paid for, made that eternal payment. That it wasn't going to have to be that year after year, that the sin was just covered for a year until the next year. But you became that eternal sacrifice. So, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken, and we remember it this morning. And, and Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We don't take it lightly. We understand the, the power, Lord, that is in... Uh, your blood, Lord, and we apply it to every one of our hearts, our bodies, our souls, our families, our community, our land. Lord, we, we apply that. Be glorified in us. Be glorified from the very depths of our hearts to the actions we do each day. In Jesus' name. So, Father God, we thank you for this time that we can be ministered to by your word. Father, we pray that your words would go deeply into us and that we would find that the soil of our hearts have welcomed uh, your words and not only welcomed your words, but that we will allow your words to go down deep into the soil of our hearts and be fruitful and multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.